Thursday, January 18th. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce Show. Great to have you here on the Plus. And I'll tell you, we are closer and closer to a huge weekend, maybe arguably the best weekend of football that the NFL offers. Four games, eight teams trying to make it to the Super Bowl. This is really, really good stuff. Obviously, 49ers and Packers, it's the newest version of a classic rivalry. These two teams have stood in each other's way of greatness many times in the past. You had Brett Favre. The, the, the 49ers probably win more Super Bowls in the 90s, but for running into peak of his powers, Brett Favre. And there's an argument to be made that Aaron Rodgers and his version of the Packers might have won more, but for running into a version of the 49ers that has, uh, they still have not lost a game to Aaron Rodgers in all these years. Aaron Rodgers has no wins over the 49ers. Uh, as we get closer, it's time to get deeper into the Packers and what this matchup really looks like from the other side. We understand the 49ers inside and out. I want to bring in somebody who understands not just the Packers, but all Milwaukee sports inside and out. Bart Winkler is a host on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, he's got the nighttime show. Beyond that, he is one of the best broadcasters out of the Midwest you're going to find anywhere. And for years now, he's been my go-to Bay Area versus Milwaukee guy, whether it be Packers or Bucks or Brewers, I find myself reaching out to Bart Winkler. And today he reaches back and joins us here. Bart, man, good to see you. How are you, pal? When you reach for me, I will reach back every time. Oh, isn't that beautiful? What love we have here. Now we're going to be enemies. Are you ready for that? <laughs> yeah, I am the enemy. I'm ready for you. I would just like to tell your audience, I am not Henry Winkler's cousin. I have no relation. No, but we should let them know you do have a direct relation to another entity here in the Bay. Uh, you know, the, the Warriors are going through an awful lot right now due to the death of their uh, assistant coach. Your brother is Raymond Ritter's like right hand man. Your brother, Bert Winkler. <laughs> is 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 I, I didn't know that the two of you were ever related until he came up to me one day and he's like hey you had my brother on your show today I was like what are you kidding me I didn't know that that was your brother so um you know dude the thoughts out to what your brother and the Warriors are going through right now I'm glad that you know you and I've already talked here today he was not in the room when that happened no I am it's, it's a that's a tough situation um I know they don't play again for a while but uh, and then they're already going like from a sports perspective, they're going through it. So it's, it's brutal. Um, I was going to wear, I have warriors gear. I was going to wear a shirt today, like to, to confuse a bunch of your people <laughs> and show all the unity stuff. But I, uh, that, the what I know about what my brother does is every year at Christmas, we get a bunch of warrior stuff. That's cool. So you get the swag, you get the, you get, yeah. you get the bobbleheads, you get the t-shirts, the giveaway yeah. nights. And I'm glad that the Warriors make it inexpensive for him to uh, stuff everybody's stocking. That's very, very nice. Uh, it is, it's great to have you here again. Your brother does a great job. He's like one of my go-to guys to be treated well whenever I'm in there. And he always treats me great. You've always treated me great. And let's talk about this game, man, because, you know, I know a lot about the Packers having grown up a Chicago Bears fan, and I've watched the Packers kick the Bears ass for better than part of 20 years now in a row. Um, this is a season that I thought was going to be an awful lot of fun for maybe, you know, people who didn't like the Packers, because without Aaron Rodgers now, you know, we're going to watch this team 
Just beat the Green Bay Packers again. Don't only really need to worry about the Green Bay Packers and how wrong everyone was. Um, how did this season, why did this season start two and five? And what, if anything, do you think is the improvement that brings the Packers to Levi Stadium on, on Saturday night? Well, it's been an interesting year. Uh, it's been a crazy year. I think that when we came into this season as Packers fans, the main question was, is Jordan Love the guy? That, that's like all we cared about. And it was going to be hard to kind of recalibrate 30 years of, all right, playoffs are bust, Super Bowl are bust, postseason are bust. And that, that was not going to ever be the year this year. Um, I think it was very important that they beat the Bears week one to continue that dominance. But also then there would be a trajectory of love's no good, worse than fields, fields. Love, there's a weird thing between them and now looks like they're going to be moving on. Right. Good starts for young teams are good things, but then it really wasn't a good start at two and five. No, because they would win. They like Jordan Love played fine. And then the receivers were playing bad and the offensive line was playing bad. I was at a point where I guess I was wrong now, which you got to admit when you're wrong, if you circle the wagons and you're right, I thought this is the dumbest way to find out if Jordan Love is good because when you do an experiment, right, you need the one thing that you're testing, and then everything else is supposed to be a constant, okay? But the Packers had all variables. Love's a variable. The offensive line's a variable. The wide receivers are variables. Like, everybody, they're trying to figure out everything at the same time. And I think, okay, growing a team from young to good is fine when you're, like, a baseball middle infield or, you know, a backcourt on a basketball team where you want these guys to grow together, but not on a, not on a football team. And then, like, they would win games they're supposed to lose. They would lose games they're supposed to win. Love was looking fine. Um, some days good. Some days it'd be like, ah, he, you know, he could have had that pass back or whatever. But then, like, all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, everyone was good. The receivers stopped dropping passes. And Love went from... Love went for there, there were signs with Jordan Love early in the season where he thought, okay, he's probably going to be the guy. But what are you going to pay him? And will he ever reach the potential we want him to reach? And what he's done in this last, certainly the last five games, you can go back to eight games. There was a Monday night game against the Giants in there that was awful. And we don't speak of it because we helped Tommy DeVito become a thing for two weeks. Um, <laughs> Tommy Cutlets, your fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was. It was Joe Barry's fault. The, the defensive coordinator. But then, like, this stretch that he's on right now with the magnitude of these games is as good of a stretch as we've seen in those 30 years. And you're, you're thinking, well, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. And I know, I'm not saying Jordan Love is either of those guys, but the stretch that he's on where a quarterback is basically playing mistake-free football and not, like, in a game manager situation, but, like, winning these games. Some of these throws you see the second – you know, angle of it. And you're like, how? Um, and with the magnitude of these playoffs and you brought it up with like the Niners, that's why I'm so excited for this game. First of all, as, as a sports fan, you don't maybe want it, but you have to enjoy it when you're there. The periods of like, not a lot of expectations because it, I'm, I'm finding that uh, the playoffs are a lot more fun to enjoy when you can be the plucky underdog Whereas, like, I wouldn't I want to be the one seed this weekend against this team. Like, what if we lose? 
If the oh, Niners well, lose, it's like, what if we lose? And I don't, it's a lot better being on this side of the fence. There was more pressure on the 49ers to go to a Super Bowl this year before the season even started. And as the season goes, it didn't, you know, there wasn't less pressure. And then there they are. They're the one seed. Philadelphia falls away. The Cowboys fall away, thanks to the Green Bay Packers. And now the pressure is extreme because this is the path that you would want if you were the 49. I mean, the 49ers, look, you get into the Super Bowl, anything can happen against a real good AFC team that you might reach the Super Bowl, you know, and and, and play. They better get there. There's no excuses. I mean, the criticism is going to go directly to red hot should they fail to even reach the Super Bowl. And then the criticism is going to be red hot if they don't win it. But there's a massive amount of pressure. I can't think of any more pressure-filled year on the Niners to get this done. And like you said, the plucky upstart, the team that has arrived ahead of schedule. And honestly, you know, this is a team that offensively in the last few weeks reminds me, I think echoes a little bit of what the 49ers do. And maybe there's a LaFleur Shanahan influence in there. But what I see is balance. What I see is it could be going anywhere. It could be coming from anywhere. You got two guys in the backfield who both do damage in uh, in Jones and Dillon. And then it might not be a star-laden receiver unit, but every single one of these guys can catch more than a cold. I mean, th- there is balance. That is, It's funny. The team that Aaron Rodgers always wanted in Green Bay is now there that he's gone. It's crazy. Well, that's the thing about the Lafleur hire. So when he got hired, it's all this, you know, Shanahan, McVay kind of tree stuff. And there's an offense that he wants to instill. And one thing that I, maybe it was George Kittle that had said it a long time ago, a couple of years ago, where he said like the Niners offense is designed to set things up. You, you run one play to set up another. Sometimes you run plays and you make like, they don't work like the, the way that you're going to want them to work because you're setting something up for later. And so I was excited to see an offense like that here, but then you did have Aaron Rodgers. And like, I know Aaron Rodgers is this polarizing figure now when it's still startling to me that this is uh, a football player that we're just like rooting for all these um, kind of all these years. It's like just the quarterback. And now it's like, Oh my God, he's, he's this guy that he is. Right, he's a brand. Yeah, when he was here, though, Matt Lafleur couldn't ever 100% coach. Is the thing he couldn't 100% coach. He had to, at minimum, be a partner with right Lafleur, and that's why I don't think the Jets were going to work. And obviously, he got hurt. But I mean, if you watch Hard Knocks, you see Robert Sala. You know, your boy, your guy's boy, just be like. Ooh, the girl looked at me. That's a whole training camp. The girl looked at me. Right. And, and LaFleur wanted that out of here. So now he's coaching. And I think that that's what's so interesting about this matchup again is Rodgers, he wanted to play for the Niners. He would have been the number one pick. They were his boyhood team. And then he wins a Super Bowl. And that chip on his shoulder is still not there or still not gone. Because, yes, I did the thing, but – I want to exact revenge to them. Right. So he gets to see them four different times in the playoffs with different iterations, like Jimmy Garoppolo in the cold or Colin Kaepernick, 500 yards rushing, whatever the hell it was. <laughs> um, felt like 500, right? No, it felt like more than 500. It was awful. 
but it was just these different teams that would beat the Packers and Rodgers could never get past that. And the Niners, I mean, I see some of these quotes this week where they're saying like, oh, well, you know, he's playing more within the offense. And well, he is. I mean, this is this is the offense and Jordan Love is playing too. It's still making plays on his own, but it's it's very interesting that the Niners now are going to get a Jordan Love team and just not an Aaron Rodgers team. Also, when I look at like the playoffs as a whole, I think there's more teams that maybe don't have a lot of pressure right now. The Niners do. Um, I think the Ravens do because Lamar's got to win in the postseason. The Bills kind of don't, but this weekend they do because it's the Chiefs. Right. And so the Niners, like if they beat Green Bay, then they're going to be a 7 to 15 point favorite against the Lions or the Buccaneers. But you've got another situation where like the Buccaneers aren't, I don't know. I like if you quiz someone on the street, they will constantly be the last team they name in the playoffs if they remember they're in there at all. And the Lions had so much pressure, and now now they don't. Now they can just play again because they got that playoff win. So the Niners, like, yes, they are they are stacked to be the favorite, but I think you're gonna play if you if you if you, if they win, they're gonna play two teams on the road to the Super Bowl that really have nothing to lose. So could be a good test. We'll see. Um, it's just an interesting kind of, it's just interesting how the playoffs have kind of settled into this, where the Eagles are out, the Cowboys are out and Niners fans got to be like, well, everyone's doing our dirty work for us. We're going to play the Packers. There's no such thing as an easy playoff games, but other games before they kick off look easier than others. And these games look easier. And that's even with a very impressive Packers win in Dallas coming in. You know, a lot of the discussion has been, even if it's an A-plus Packers game, can an A-plus Packers team beat an A-plus 49ers team? I don't think that they can. But if the Niners come out with a B-plus game and the Packers play their A-plus game, a stupid turnover here or there can turn everything in an afternoon of football. So this is a full red alert game. Um, Brian Gutekunst has just done an incredible job as the general manager of the Packers. Now, he was the target of a full-on public warpath from Aaron Rodgers there at the end of Rodgers' life cycle in Green Bay, and it felt like Aaron was going out of his way to divide Packers fans into clear camps. Team Rodgers, Team Gutekunst in the future. How do Packers fans, how did they buy that in the moment, and what do they think of Gutekunst now? So it's very uh, parallel to the Favre situation where Favre was here, but he was like waffling on retirement. He didn't know. Then he retired. Then he wanted to come back. They already gave the keys to Rodgers. And at that point, it was it was very split. And if it was leaning one way, it was pro-Favre. Like Rodgers goes to training camp and gets booed. And a couple of things, um, because if you if you ever come across any of my work, um, I am very hard on Aaron Rodgers. I don't like him. <laughs> and I'm glad he's not here. <laughs> like watching football is kind of fun again. He's just, he's a massive time suck is the, is the problem. That's why yeah. I try to tell Jets fans. He played four snaps and outside of Travis Kelsey, somehow pulling in Taylor Swift, he was the most talked about person in the NFL this year. Only Rodgers can do that. Right. When he's giving quotes about limiting distractions next season, it's like, dude, you need duct tape over your own mouth if you want that to happen. So there's two things I always say nice about Rodgers. I like that he respects the sanctity of a retired number. Um, he could have had Joe Namath's 12, and Joe said that, and then Rodgers said, no, no, I'll, I'll just wear eight. 
I don't like when people, I don't like when Peyton Manning did it. I didn't like that J.J. Watt did it. I didn't like that Jerry Rice did it to Steve Largent, who wasn't going to say no. Guy was like in Congress. He can't get in a fight with Jerry Rice. I never liked that. Also, he fumbled. Um, And then with uh, this situation, he was always good with Jordan Love. Like, he didn't make it a personal thing. Yeah, I'm sure he was upset, and he made it personal with Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekinds. But he didn't make it personal with Jordan Love. And I think he was nothing but uh, a good mentor to, to him. Jordan Love's got nothing bad to say. Uh, but I'm not even sure that he would if he was really pressed. The kind of guy we think Love is. So this split wasn't as fractured. And I think what has happened now is everybody that was banging their drum like, you made a mistake, Packers. You should have never drafted them. You what shuts up everything winning and now the Packers in their first year as a starter with Jordan love are in the divisional round of the playoffs. When Favre had like a five, win year Rogers at a six, win year um, Jordan loves taking you to another level already. So there was, I mean, there's still people that anytime I, like I tweeted the other day, Oh, this is just so fun. It's, it's like, it's like there was a big uh, weight lifted off their shoulders. This what could it be? And people are like, oh, why are you, why are you mad? Are you like, no, no, no. I'm just how, how can you not admit as a Packer fan, like this year is inherently more fun than the last several. So Gudikins is getting praised, obviously. And the last couple of drafts have been good. That You see a lot of these guys that are stepping up. Any ire this year has been pointed towards the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, who, again, made Baker Mayfield a star, um, made Tommy DeVito a star. Gave him Bryce Baker Mayfield had the perfect pass rating at Lambeau. No visitor's ever done that till this year. Baker's a star in his own right. I just want to clear up. Uh, and Bryce Young had his best game against the Packers this year. But then they go and do what they did in Dallas. Yeah, okay, 32 points. But they were up 27 nothing, won the game. And so I don't know what kind of defense we're going to see on, on Saturday night. The things that would worry me as a Packer fan or if I can take Packer hat off and, like, rationally look at this game i think that while the packers defense has been playing better all they had to do really was stop dak prescott and cd lamb what other receivers were going to beat them jake ferguson's a good tight end he had three touchdowns but that was all underneath stuff when the game was over tony pollard is not what they thought they were getting so if you're like oh we we beat dallas we can beat san francisco i mean maybe you can like defensively maybe you're like hey dallas is a good defense we can we can do some stuff about against San Francisco's, but offensively, the I mean, the weapons that are there are just, I mean, impossible to stop because if you stop three, there's still another one. So yeah. that is where the concern is. And also, I, I do worry a little bit of like CJ Stroud and Jordan Love. These guys had really good week ones. And these are the guys of the future. But then where are they both going? To San Francisco and to Baltimore on the road. And then I feel like, like, okay, maybe you, your time's not yet. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Packers to win like to a Packer audience. I'll probably, I'll probably maybe say the Niners are more likely to win here, but I, th- I mean, the Niners are more likely to win. It's, well, it's very you, you know, you're, you're not just some, you know, rah, rah, rah home team guy. You understand football. And the way I see it right now is if, if the 49ers have one of those games where they got 40 carries, Packers are going home, dude. 
I, I, th- I, I think that the best way to beat the Green Bay Packers is to ask Brock to take his shots on play action, but I am running the ball 45 times at the Green Bay Packers, and you are getting a huge introduction to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel's elbows and knees all day long. Packers do not like to tackle particularly well. You do not do well after first contact, and that is the entire the entire offense for the 49ers is built on yards after contact. So I do think that the feel-good Packers are in for it a little bit this weekend. Like this, if the Niners are just run, run, running the ball down your throats, this could get ugly. It really could. But look, the Packers offensively, I think, will match the Niners for a little bit. But then that Niners defense, as rested as they've been all year, might take over this game. Who is the Packers' best defender? Just real quick, Rorschach test. Best Green Bay Packers defender is... My head went to Jair Alexander, which I was upset about. Uh, Rashawn Gary's had a nice year. Um, maybe Jair. I don't know. The secondary was playing well without him, but then obviously he picked off Dak Prescott and got that whole rally going. They're uh, they're young. This is a it's a young defense. It's a defense that I still think, no matter how far they get, like even if they win the Super Bowl, they should look for a new defensive coordinator. And <laughs> these guys just the wrong way. I mean, if watch if there's a play because they did this against the Steelers, there was the first drive that the Steelers had, and it was like a first and goal from the three. And so the Steelers are like, "We want to run to Najee Harris here," and then they looked at the defense and they had like three down linemen and were basically playing dime coverage. And then the Steelers go, "I guess we're going to run to Najee Harris here," and then he just ran up the middle. So. Like goal line red zone defense gets weird with Joe Barry. You're not going to see a lot of blitzing, I don't think, like real design blitzes. So the Niners will rack up yards. I mean, they will they will probably rack up points. I, I think a good script for this game, there was a Niner game where I was watching, I think, corner my eye on red zone, and it was like, oh, no, the Cardinals are playing them tough. And then, like, the second half, the Niners just turned it on and, and it was over. I'll tell you if I if the Packers were what the Niners are, and a and a, a Niners team like this was coming in, I'd say we'll beat these guys. We'll beat these guys. But it's the playoffs. You don't know what you don't know. I love that phrase. Uh, Jordan Love. You know, I think there's some of us still waiting. Like he's not really this good, is he? Right. Yeah. Right. Is it? You're not getting Mahomes 2.0 here, are you? Or hey. Maybe, maybe are maybe you? Yeah, they are. When uh, uh when was the moment? When was the moment you fully bought in? Did you know disregarding your dislike of Aaron Rodgers? When's the real moment where you said, "All right, Jordan Love, he's more than just the placeholder. This guy could really be the guy." Or have you even reached that point yet? Well, uh, I think I reached it in training camp. <laughs> I, saw, I saw one one video. Uh, where Love like hit maybe Romeo Dobbs down the sideline. And I said, the league is not ready for Jordan Love to be good. Because all the thoughts coming in and all the takes and everything was like, oh, Jordan Love, you know, you, nobody, everyone prepared for him to either be bad or average. Nobody planned for him to be good. More realistically, um, it was, it's within the last month, last month and a half. Because I, I think early on against the Bears week one, I'm like, okay, you know, he's the guy. And then there were still, I think he earned the right to be the next guy, whether it was for two years or three. 
Um, the way that he was playing in the beginning of the year, maybe you don't draft a quarterback in this draft, but maybe you do in the next one just in case. But now the guy's going to get a contract that's going to start with $50 million. I mean, he's going to get paid. And you just hope that it's like not a mirage kind of Daniel Jones type thing. I know poor Daniel Jones, all the guy did was do his best. And the Giants are like, here's 45 million because you had nine good weeks. So you right. like that. But the way that Love plays, uh, again, if you see some of these throws, uh, just the angles that he's throwing with, it's very Rodgers and Farvest combined. I know that outsiders are just so upset. Outsiders of Wisconsin are so upset that the Packers may have gotten another one, but I'm pretty sure they got another one. What trait or coaching element makes Matt LaFleur special? I mean, he, he's got a pretty good track record for a guy who's in his fifth season and is still only just turned 44 in December. I mean, he's a he's still an NFL baby in terms of head coaching years, but he's done this a few times now. Um, how much better is LaFleur this year than his first year, the first time you saw him? Well, I, okay, so I have been a, a LaFleur detractor of sorts. Okay. I have been a LaFleur detractor. I think that he, like um, many coaches in today's league, need to like they need to go to Madden camp. They need to play Madden. As dumb as it might sound. They need clock to get in you got a clock management issue? Yes. They need to play Madden and do clock management just for a week and drill in their head. Because all these guys are dumb at it. All these guys are bad. And I don't know, like for a while I thought LaFleur would be really good if there's a decision to be made, if you could pause time, if you could go into his office, have an hour think it through and then come back un unclick the Adam Sandler remote. And mm -hmm. then he'd make the right decision. I thought that that was a thing that he was bad at. He seems to have gotten better at that. So I need to shut up on that one. Uh, I didn't like one time at halftime. I think he cried on the halftime interview. He was like, we gotta be better. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but what I see in these videos uh, outside of like, they scheme, they scheme perfectly against Dallas. They knew their cornerbacks and, Safeties were going to bite a lot, so they they schemed to that. They knew that um, they were going to target C.D. Lamb, so they tried to take him away early. Um, he's a smart football guy. I just wonder sometimes, are these guys good coaches, and how are they good coaches? And I think for me, just as a guy who loves football and watches football and whatever, I think what I've noticed the best or the most is, and Jim Harbaugh, all right, is kind of a good example of this. What makes Jim Harbaugh a good coach? I think the thing that makes him a good coach the most is guys play for him. You, There's a lot of people in football that know schemes, know this. I know more in my thumb than you will ever know. There's a lot of guys like that. But if you you got to get guys to play for you. Right. I don't know that the you Eagles play the math is. Are you a leader of men? And Harbaugh is one of those guys. I mean, you see the, the weeks that he was out and the assistant coach is like, he's crying. Like, I just love Jim so much. You thought he would have passed away that day at Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. You, so LaFleur, I think, has that. He connects with these guys. Um, and I think for him, too, like I said with Rodgers, this is a completely – it's a completely different set of job – like, it's a different job for him. You were asked to – essentially guide the final years of the Rodgers era, like figure out everything else, but 
You have to manage this man. On Tuesdays, he's going to go on TV and say stuff that you don't know what he's going to say, and then you have to manage that the rest of the week. You have to manage him checking out of the plays you got hired to design. And this year, he can be fully himself. And maybe just like it took Love a little bit to find, okay, this is Jordan Love. Maybe it took LaFleur a little bit to kind of embrace and enjoy that freedom and realize what he could do with it. So, hey, uh, vibes are good. Again, if the Packers lose at any point now, probably win. But if they lose at any point, this was a great season. I'm telling Packers fans to enjoy it because next year there will be expectations. There you go. Right now there's not. But the next game they play, it's quite—it's not that much time. The, the next game they play is going to be massive expectations. Right now, you got nothing to lose. It's house money. But the next time you step into that casino, you are targeted, man. They are, they are watching you. Mark Chimura talking a little spicy. I haven't heard Mark Chimura's name in a really long time, but he's on a radio show, and he's talking about an early flag is worth it. If you rattle Brock and, you know, you got some 49er fans who are all getting huffy and clutching their pearls. And the thing I've been saying is if you don't think they're saying the same thing down in Santa Clara right now about Jordan Love, you're out of your mind. They might just be smart enough not to say it out loud. But if Ronnie Lott were to be asked this week on anybody's radio show, do you think you should hit the ever living shit out of Jordan Love? Believe me, Ronnie Lott would say, yeah, you should probably do that. Um, It's it's. It's the biggest non-story story of the entire run-up to this game. I-, I want you to know I forgive Mark Chamura, and this is fucking war. And this is what these these players know. This is the other quarterback must go down and must go down hard. I uh, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Mark Chamura in any way, <laughs> uh, shape or form. I did see that he has riled people up. The clip posted at last check had 6 million views. Woo. So if, if and a lot of people are outraged about, Oh, you don't want to injure a guy. Nobody, nobody wants to like the same, the same kind of thing happened uh, week one when Rogers got hurt and there was a bar in Wisconsin that um, was giving away bar tabs when the jets lost. And then the bar goes crazy be when Rodgers gets hurt and everyone's like Wisconsinites want people to get hurt. They want people to suffer. No, these people got, a, they thought they were going to get a free bar tab. They, they don't, they don't know that Rodgers out for the year. They're celebrating that Zach Wilson's coming in this game. All right. If, if Jordan love gets hurt at any point in the game and Sean Clifford comes in, isn't every Niners fan going to go, we won. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Game over. You want to go next week? Like, even if it's the first quarter. By the way, Jets did win that game, so. They did. They. I remember he got a lot of people ordering shots for the table, and then at the end they get handed that big bill anyways. So be careful what you root against. Karma could come and get you. If uh, agree or disagree, the Packers got an awful lot of talent, but the 49ers got an awful lot of star power. And when star power meets talent, Experienced star power usually comes out on top. What do you think? Well, they got more star power, but they also have more talent. They they have more talent. Um, how about this one? So you okay? I'm gonna pivot you a minute because I okay. th- this is this is driving me. It's I'm very curious. 
Brock Purdy is good, right? He's good. Yes. Yes. It's not an illusion. He has translatable skills that if you replaced the average NFL quarterback with Brock Purdy, he's making that team better than the average NFL quarterback. Having said all that... Had, he, had, he, had had Brock Purdy been the you know the, the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, they're they're not the one seed. Sean Clifford goes to that team, our backup that I just mentioned way too many times. Niners aren't good. I agree. Jordan, Again, if Jordan it, loves the quarterback of your Niners, they're still the one seed, right? Do we agree? Maybe, m- maybe I'll, I'll tell you if Brock Purdy were the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. I think Matt LaFleur would be very, very happy with this young quarterback that he's got. I mean, that's the thing. I just think that it's become very fashionable to rip Brock because nobody saw Brock coming. And there is an element of people who want to maintain that their opinions of the NFL draft are still more valuable than actual data points returned by NFL players and games. And the dismissing of Brock Purdy has taken on an absurd art form that is just so unappreciative of the singular greatest story at the position since Kurt Warner. I mean, it's an incredible story. None of this is supposed to be happening. And to bet against Brock Purdy takes no skill at all. As a matter of fact, it was the right bet to make. Mr. Irrelevant doesn't matter. That's why it's called irrelevant is the key word, not Mr. in the label, Mr. Irrelevant. And, uh, it, but it, it it has become a cottage industry to try to try to take away from someone who's absolutely produced. And I'll just tell you this, Bart: you put Brock Purdy's number, all of his career numbers, all of his season numbers from this year alone, next to the name Aaron Rodgers. That guy's a unanimous MVP because Aaron Rodgers had been approved to come to the front of the line and stand in that line of MVP conversation. Brock has never been invited to the VIP room, so it, you know he. He can't be in this conversation, but his numbers have forced him into it. I do think it's going to be Lamar because what they hold against Brock is, well, there's so much talent around him. Anyone could do that, which is absurd. But I do think that that same argument reverse engineered applies to Lamar where it's like, dude, this is the like one of the biggest one man armies we've ever seen. It's probably him. And then they got the straight up Brock playing terribly against the Ravens on Christmas there. And and that pretty much settled it. Like I, I, I believe if you're going to call it MVP, you have to go valuable. And I think, so like, I would, I would give Aaron Rodgers votes. I would give Peyton Manning votes that one year um, that he was hurt. I think Lamar is the most valuable to his team. If you want to give a, if you want to give it out as best offensive player, that's a different, I think award. And I'm, I'm with you. I think that, because where I where I still look is like, but he's got McCaffrey. He's got. And I know someone's got to get him the ball. And I think the Cowboys game on Sunday night, back earlier this season, was when I really was like, all right, yeah, he's good. I see it. He's good. Uh, he does have a good complement of weapons. He's good. Anyone who's hanging on to the fact that, and there are people. There are. You're right to call that out. There are people. You got to get over that. If it's like, oh, how good is he? How good would he be on the Panthers? How good would he be? You know, that's a different thing. But if you're like, oh, he's drafted low, that's stupid. You can't. You got right. No, it seems like there's the world wants Brock Purdy to uh, perform well in a myriad of hypothetical situations that cannot be produced in real time or on this earth. And until they're until Brock Purdy is good in a situation he's not in, 
no one wants to admit, hey, this guy might be pretty good. It's really, it's really, really weird. And to me, for anyone who wants to say, well, Shanahan could do this with anyone, well, then why didn't he do it with Trey Lance? You know, it must have something to do with the head that's inside the helmet, not just the person that's playing the position. Yeah, no, I, I think I think he's good. I would vote for Lamar, but I, I think Purdy's good, and we'll see uh, how they match up. I mean, I don't know, I don't, but again, the Packers defense—I don't know what this weekend's going to tell you because they're not that good, even though what they did to Dallas. How much know. are you enjoying? How much are you enjoying Dame time? Now that he's in Milwaukee, Bucks put it on the Warriors pretty hard the other night. You know, when you said the stuff you're saying about Brock, that's what I thought about was the Bucks. Because for whatever reason, the Bucks, the Bucks have Giannis Adetokounmpo and Damian Lillard and other guys that have been all-stars and are not bad either. But the expectations around them, like, yeah, we want we're we're not gonna say Brock Purdy's good until he throws six touchdowns a game and rushes for another three. The Bucks. Everybody craps on the Bucks all the time. They're second best in the East. But if they don't win by 25, then they lost last night to the Cavs by like 70. So that's no good. But Giannis was out. But, um, but I'm enjoying it. We finally got – we got the moment the other night against the Kings. That was good. It's – yeah. We got, but more like – more stone cold. No, okay. Oh, no, just oh, just angry think angry wrist rich wrist watch wrist watch pointing. Can't even say that fast anymore. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I'm here. You wanted this, you're getting it. So enjoying it very much. But that's another team. They have expectations. The playoffs aren't as fun with them anymore. Because if they lose, that's where I've gotten, at least in my older age, as I mature. Um, I used to think winning was about winning but now it's about not losing i don't i don't want to win because i want to be ha- i don't want the packers to win because i want to be happy i want to win because i want niners fans to be mad oh vengeful vengeful look at you that, that's that's definitely uh an interesting way to look at it. it's not enough for me to be happy you need to be miserable yeah. as well you know fair enough that's not really the trade i have in lovable packers fans but i'm glad there's at least one person in milwaukee saying you know what let me show you what a real midwestern petty asshole can be on that guy and i appreciate it and that's why you and i have always spoke that same language man we're wired very much alike. We would we we don't we don't mind when a little misery is rolled out for everyone else to enjoy. We sit back and go, ha, 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 ha. Uh, yeah, man. I don't was- want you to feel pain. Yeah, the Niners have caused me a decade's worth of playoff losses. You think I'm not going to enjoy it if we go in there and beat the Niners as a seven seed? By the way, where where are we talking to you from? That pegboard behind you is awesome. I don't. This is the worst backdrop you could ever have. No, it's it's great. I it, like. I hope that there's a a uh, a whole bunch of tools underneath. Oh yeah, see your your garage space, your garage garagey space downstairs space, kind of basement. There's the, Thanks for the tour. water pump. There. Oh, nice. Water pumps are very important this time of year. If you don't have a good one, you're going to be cold. This thing behind me, it's uh, Packers four time Super Bowl champions. My wife bought it for me. In 2011, and I was like, "We're gonna have to update this in no time. Nope, no change. Does the, the no no more rectangles need be cut out in the mat? We don't need a bigger frame. And here's the thing: I, I don't think you're gonna be changing it this year. But what an interesting young team it really is. I mean, the Packers 
are um, they've they've already won the better than you thought we were award of the season. Um, and it is something. I mean, this is this is how I'm going to conduct my career going forward. Keep expectations low. Overachieve those low expectations and people will compliment you instead of setting expectations really high, not meeting them. And then everyone goes, what went wrong? So let's keep that up. Let's keep expectations low. Yes. Let's keep delivering high. And Bart, too bad that these teams can't play a couple of times this year because it's great talking to you as always. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have a have a have a really good weekend. And uh I won't say good luck. Can't say yeah. good luck. I, I'm in this for selfish reasons. I need the Niners to go to the Super Bowl to grow the channel. Yeah. And I need you to be miserable for me to be happy. So there you go. <laughs> I started doing my podcast and I was gearing up all season for a Bucks run. And then I was getting more listeners and listeners, and then they lost to the eight-seeded Miami Heat. So I understand where you're coming from. Tell me, uh, tell tell everyone where they can find you. Tell everyone about the name of the new podcast, and then, of course, they can catch you on CBS Radio's uh, on uh, National Network in the evenings. Yeah, so uh, my podcast was The Bart Winkler Show. That's my name. But now that's the name of my CBS show. So I changed... Uh, just like you have the Plus Army, people were calling listeners of my show members of the Winklerverse because I'm a big Marvel guy. So the podcast is now Into the Winklerverse, and the radio show is The Bart Winkler Show. Continued success with both, my brother. Thank you very much. Thank you, Damon. There he is, Bart Winkler, taking us deep inside the psyche of a Packers fan. You will find these people to be... Very good people, yet still maniacally damaged in in so many other ways. But it was really good. I'm glad that we caught up with Bart. That guy's a good guy. Uh, and when you know you got a good guy to talk to about a big game like this, you bring him on. And then after you bring on such a good guest, you thank the sponsors. And let me tell you, thanks so much to my man Ike, who is uh, doing God's work when it comes to putting delicious sandwiches right in your hand each and every day. Go to Ike's. There's probably one near you. If you're on the West Coast, I'm going to say there's almost definitely one near you. And if there isn't, there should be one near you soon. It grows. It is happening. And uh, hopefully Ike and I are rolling around Vegas together during Super Bowl week there for a little while. Download the Ike's Reward app. Start eating your way towards free sandwiches. One of the things that means I'll be walking around Vegas in comfort is because Dr. Paul Hughes is taking care of my knee. If you got knee pain, joint pain, elbow pain, if you've been told about, hey, maybe you need uh, invasive partial or total replacement He's got cellular therapy that could change everything for you. Go to orthopedicsurgeries.com if you'd like to avoid an orthopedic surgery. Should you set up a consultation with Dr. Paul Hughes, who is in San Mateo, use promo code or code word HUNTER for 50% off this cellular therapy. And that's a big, big chunk of change. So uh, go ahead. Contact Dr. Paul Hughes. He can fix you right up without invasive surgery. And uh, we'll just give a shout out to my boys at Uncle Boys. If you need a good burger, get yourself to Uncle Boys. We love you, Uncle Boys. All right. Just a couple more things to talk about today uh, before we hop into Club Plus and uh, see what you're all chatting about. But I hope you enjoyed Bart. Really good guy. And uh, it was great to have him on. The other things that we have from the NFL today are are two things that I kind of can't believe. 
I don't know if we've got a final conclusion on Sirianni yet, but it looks like Sirianni has had a meeting with the Eagles and what felt like he is definitely gone feels less like he's definitely gone right now. And Mike McCarthy has survived another Dallas Cowboy postseason collapse. And Mike McCarthy is coming back, which means Bill Belichick is not looking for real estate in Dallas. And I'm surprised by that. I really am. I thought for sure that Bill Belichick would at least be walking around the Dallas Metroplex area, having lunch with Jerry Jones at the very, no, just back to McCarthy it is. All right. Good luck with that. Um, that, that, that. That, that, that's very surprising to me. I thought that those were two, oh, these guys are in a lot of trouble. And Sirianni might still be out, but couldn't believe that. The other thing that we have from the NFL has to deal with uh, what is happening uh, in Las Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday. We've got some performers to announce. Reba McIntyre will be doing the national anthem. And I saw Darren Ravel post that her, uh, her over-under on time to sing the national anthem is uh, the lowest it's ever been. So will she meet such a wildly, uh, will will she sing the national anthem really quick? I'll tell you this. She's not going to go star search on you. Reba McIntyre is going to give you the straight up, here's the national anthem, no frills attached to it, which is good. Let's get it going. Let's get to kickoff. And then we have two other performers. I have nothing to say about these performers uh, other than Post Malone will be singing America the Beautiful and Andrea Day will be singing Lift Every Voice and Sing. These are two songs that are totally performative, unnecessary, and we should just have the national anthem and then go play. What do we need other songs for? We need more anthems, another national, a second anthem, and then we need another song that is no one's anthem, but I guess we like, what, America the Beautiful 2? I don't know why that is now being used as it's not a national anthem. That should not be a gentleman kindly remove your caps situation. That Just sing the national anthem. Just one fucking song is all we need. What do we, need? What do we don't need a, a full set of America the Beautiful. So there you go. There's my complaining about what's happening in Las Vegas. And Reba McIntyre sure feels fine, but she doesn't feel Vegasy. She's going to do There's no one else from Vegas. Can't bring out Wayne Newton for that. Give Wayne one last shot at 15 minutes of fame, right? When's the last time Wayne Newton really mattered in the culture when he played the bad guy in Ford Fairlane? How about that for a right? You didn't think you were going to Ford Fairlane reference today, did you? You're welcome. Um... Finally, we end uh, with, you know, the very, very sad story out of Golden State and the Warriors with assistant coach uh, DeLon, uh, uh, Dijon, it's a a handful of a name, DeLon Mijosevic. Um, A second game has been postponed. The Warriors will not be playing the Dallas Mavericks Friday night at Chase Center. They had canceled Wednesday night's game at Utah because of his death at the restaurant, which apparently, you know, it went down bad. It went down bad. And there are a lot of young men who probably for the first time in their lives were in the same room as death. You know, that's, that's a big thing. That is a traumatic thing 
for anyone to go through. The NBA is allowing the widest path possible to the Golden State Warriors to get over what is, I mean, without a doubt, a rattling, traumatic event. With all respect to why the layoff is happening, to bring it back to sports, I'd just like to talk about the layoff. And it's incredibly sad that the layoff is happening. But this is going to be a layoff now for the Warriors that is twice as long as any All-Star break. And for a team that was desperate to find some sort of rhythm, I don't know if this helps them. I don't I don't think it does. You know, this is there has been there has been a cloud over just about all of this Warriors season, and the passing of a beloved assistant coach is not going to allow the sun to come out any easier, that's for sure. Um, back-to-back postponed, ga- postponed games means that the Warriors don't play until next Wednesday against the Hawks. Again, a nine-day layoff for the Warriors. Uh, very, very sad. I, I reached out to Raymond Ritter to express some condolences for him, the entire Warriors family. It's a very, very tragic thing that they're all going through. And they they knew the bad news before we did and wanting to get the news directly to the family before it went public. Um, it's just a it's an awful lot for any group to go through. And you can see that this was... Uh, you know, th- th- this was this was someone who was really liked in NBA circles. He was not a household name. He was not discussed at all. But if you played in the NBA, if you were a big guy, you knew him, and you know he he had a positive impact wherever it seems he went. So very very sad story around the Warriors, and um, they went through some tough things to go through in person. And that's rough. That is really, really rough. So there you go. I didn't mean to end on such a down note, but that's the last bit of sports news that we needed to get into before we got into Club Plus today. I want to thank uh, Bart Winkler. I want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank you. And I want to thank our members who are noticing some members have gone from a like dark blue star to more of a teal blue star. Well, if you have a teal blue star next to your name today among the initiated, that means that you are in the very first day. You have officially reached your first full month of membership. We have 77 members. And all I can tell you is that later this evening at 7 o'clock, Sports Bane will be sending a message directly to members and members only. If you would like this Sports Bane message sent to you, and how could you not? I mean, frankly, uh, as much as you know about Sports Bane, um, if you would like to hear directly from Sports Bane himself, possibly think about supporting this channel with a membership because he will be talking to members and members of the initiated only tonight at seven o'clock. So be on the lookout for that. Members of the initiated, hopefully, you are a member. I shouldn't be giving it away, the fact that I am actually Sports Bane all at the same time. I, 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 I shouldn't have told you that. I'm sorry. Think how much trouble I'm going to be with a League of Shadows. 
Thank you very much for tuning in. It was wonderful to have you here today. It's been incredible support all week long. We're getting so ready for 49ers and Packers. Join me, 8 a.m., Friday morning, simulcast on Damon Bruce Plus and The Krug Show. Uh, we will have Wake Up for you, getting you ready, and we'll let you know that it's a seven-day work week for yours truly. Here's how it's going down. Friday morning, Wake Up. At 11 a.m. West Coast time, we will be doing the longest continuously running sports phone in America. Screw you, KNBR. You, you brought it back, but not before I picked it up. It's mine now. The longest continuing running sports phone in America is exclusively on the blues. Continuously running? They canceled theirs. I picked it up. The longest continuously running sports phone in the world is happening uh, Friday at 11 a.m. So hopefully you plan on popping on in, having a little video chat, talking some 49ers and Packers tomorrow. Uh, wake up at 8 a.m. Sports phone at 11 a.m. West Coast time. We will be added at the two-minute warning on Saturday. Going to talk to you. Win, lose, or draw. Well, there is no draw. It's the postseason. Win or lose, we're going to be on the air at the two-minute warning, 49ers and Packers. So be on the lookout for that link you want to start getting in that waiting room right now? God bless you all. Love you, Plucers. You're incredible. Wake Up will be happening Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and then we will be doing a Wake Up at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. So we will be basking in the results of 49ers and Packers, and there are no days off, baby. No days off. Thank you very much for tuning in. And before we get to... Club Plus on YouTube, I want to thank everyone listening on the podcast and remind you that sports don't build character, they reveal it. And like that, he's